Do you ever feel lonely, angry, or disconnected with your spouse? What if I told you that most days could feel like you're on your honeymoon again? Those are the words of our guest today, Dr. Jackie Black, today on Casa de Confidence. Welcome to Casa de Confidence, a podcast for women and some cool dudes going in the direction of their dreams and the confidence it takes to reach them. I'm your host, Julie DeLuca Collins, and your sidekick, handsome hot husband, that again. I am a dreamer, a traveler, a missionary, and risk taker. I am a lover of books, activist, philanthropist, and most of all, we are a supporter of people and their dreams. If you someone to the casa for the first time, welcome. If you've been here before, we're so glad you're back. Grab your drink of choice, settle in, and make yourself at home. Welcome back to Casa de Confidence. Hey, Julie, how are you doing? I'm chewing something. What are you chewing? A, a piece of cheese. I didn't know we were starting. Oh, we are starting. We well, have started. I was caught with my pants down, or Your mouth cheese in the mouth, rather. Yeah. <laughs> are you drinking anything? I'm drinking Salvadorian coffee, of course. Ooh, you are only two hours away from your deadline of no more coffee. Actually, I'm one hour away. One hour. Oh, wait a minute. Isn't today Daytona 500 day? Mm-hmm. Oh, how did we miss that? What time did that start? Oh, it starts in like 20 minutes. Well, I guess you got to hurry up, huh? Yeah. All right. And our guest today is... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little ridiculous. <coughs> you know that, right? Yeah, ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, so have you had a great week? Wait a minute. I think you need to actually clarify something from last week's guest, something oh. you said on the show yes. within the interview that kind of um, shined an ill light upon your husband. Listen, it hurt your tender sensibilities. It hurt my tender. It didn't hurt my tender sen sensibilities. Mm. But this is the thing. Oh, you said, thing. and I'm going to I'm gonna say what you said, and you said... Um, sorry, Dan, but you're not a good gift giver. You said I, that to our guest. I said that to our guest last you week. You said that you to our correct. guest last week. Yeah. But this whole podcast is predicated mm. on the idea, on the idea <laughs> that I gifted you podcast equipment and said, go make your podcast. Right, so wait a minute. So which way which way shall we have it here? Let's unpack this a little bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's use this as a learning opportunity yes. and perhaps a coaching opportunity. Yes, we actually had a, a little conversation about this. So we understood each other at the end. Okay, but let me unpack nice. this. Number one. Mm -hmm. So when I said that you're not a good gift giver, mm -hmm. that it it really, I have to clarify because you have given me some amazing gifts that I really love. Yogi was one of them. Yogi was one of them. 
this podcast equipment was one of them. Yes. So, but the true issue at hand is that I I have a belief system and I have a manual for you, which I shouldn't have. You do have a manual for me. Uh, my manual is that if you are going to purchase something for me, there should be some, um, what would you say, like planning involved, like if Valentine's Day is coming, you should, in mm-hmm. advance, months in advance, be thinking, what could my beloved enjoy? Yes, you have a schedule for my acquisition of your gifts. Yes. And I am a, <coughs> I am a, what is that? I'm a last minute person when it comes to a lot of things. And one of those things was in college. I crammed for my exams. But I did you know too. What? I did too. I crammed for my exams. <clears throat> I did well on my exams. I did too. And often I am a last minute gift purchaser. I'm pretty good at it. Yes. It, whether I do it, you know, a day before the day or I do it five months before. It's still good, but okay. this thing—it's the the gift give the gift giving. It's not the big important thing in life. First of all, giving gifts and stuff like that. But it's, what it well, is, what it is. It's speak nice to the it's, person whose it's nice love to, language is gift gi- it gifts. Is, it is nice to give and receive gifts. It is nice but to give and receive. The other thing too, and the thing I did admit, if I were to actually spend a little extra time and mm-hmm. think ahead. Which my mind does not go to. Mm-hmm. I could probably do something cool and special. Like get podcasting equipment. Well, any, anyway. No, I'm like, if the long haul, like mm-hmm. there's certain things that you can't just do right. at the last minute. There Correct. are some things you need to plan ahead on. And there's ideas there. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah. So let me but let anyway. me go back to the coaching part. So, and mm-hmm. here's, I think, the, the part that I needed to coach myself on. The reality is that we cannot set expectations for others. We cannot decide how they are going to act, and we cannot decide how they should do and go about what they do. The only thing that we can control is us and how we think. Every time that you've given me a gift is a generous gift. It's a lovely gift, and I enjoy them. And I look around our home, and I see a lot of different things that I love that you have given me. However... When it comes to what I think you should do, I can't make you do that. I can't make you decide, oh, you know, I'm going to go look at your Amazon wish list, which apparently you didn't know existed, and pick something from there that she really wants. Not to say that I haven't loved or enjoyed the things that you've given me, but there's things, you know, that I would probably like more, right? And it doesn't make you a poor gift giver. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that, You really have to, you know, if you want something, communicate to your partner. And I think that this is a little bit of that why I love the conversation with Leslie last week and also with Dr. Jackie this week, because it gives me some very clear insight into how I can better show up in our relationship, because it's not about my expectations and what I want from you and what I need from you. But it's really one is if I need something, want something communicated. And number two, also, if you don't feel that need, need, that need shouldn't be filled by you. It should be filled by me in learning to manage what I think about what you do or don't do. Hmm. So I thought that that was a very interesting experience. So I, you are a good gift giver. I 
you know, I look back to some of the gifts that you've given me. Uh, my favorite one is a bottle of Tide <laughs> when we first got married. So, and if you're listening to this and you want to know about the bottle of Tide, um, go to Instagram and say, tell me the story about Tide. Mm. And I will share that story with you. But overall, you know, I I know that we are two very different individuals. But what I love about you is that you you are kind and giving and maybe not a planner, but, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. But that's it. Cool. Anyhow, by the way. Yes. Uh, you golfed on Friday. Friday. How was that? It was good. I had a good time. It was indoors. It was indoors. Yes. Some of the guys actually golfed on Thursday, which was outdoors mm. because Thursday it got in the 60s here in Connecticut. It's sitting around 25 degrees now. Mm. That's the joys. It is 31, partly sunny, according well, to my computer right here. That's the joys of New England. One day can be 30, the, the next day can be 70. Indeed. And then it could be 25 the next. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and and I want to go back not to harp on on a dead horse because it's not a dead horse, but here is the other thing, ladies. <laughs> a um, dead horse is a horrible thing. Do, you, you know can't that I saw ride a play. It anymore. You can't okay, groom it. Wait. You can't feed it. Did I tell I mean, you I saw a play about a dead horse once? What did you say? I saw a play about a dead horse once. Do you know I've seen a dead horse? Oh there? my God! Why you got to go there? I hey, was just saying comes, a pretend it, horse. It comes, it comes with the oh. territory. Oh my God! We live such different lives. Hey, I see I a dead horse New on stage, and you see a dead horse in the real world. And now I don't know what we were talking about because we got into the conversation of dead horses, and I'm so shocked by the fact that you've seen a dead horse. Well, well, what? Like I said, I've seen one. I've seen a. Okay, oh let's go the God. other way with yeah. this. I've also seen. A horse give birth. Oh, okay. Well, that's not in my that's realm. Dis- it's disgusting. Oh my god! <laughs> I've never even seen a dog give birth. Uh, really? Okay, I t- actually, I take that a- back. There was a TikTok, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Wait a minute! I know where this is going. I don't want to see that." So well, I turned away. I've seen dogs, cats. Oh my god! It's a circle of life, isn't I've it? Seen a horse once. I think that's all I've seen okay. in person. Well, here is, let's, since I cannot remember where the, this conversation was going, how about we go and we give a shout out to somebody today? Who? We're going to give a shout out to Donna Lee Levesque. It is her birthday. Happy today. birthday, Donna Lee. And if you're listening and it's not uh, February 20th, 2022, then anyway, move on. But if you are listening on the week of her birthday, Definitely give a shout out and say, you know, Donna is Dan's sister mm-hmm. and she is one of the kindest, most inquisitive, supportive people that I know. Yes. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're on Facebook, you can go to my profile or mine or Julie's profile. Find my sister. It's I, Donna Lee. I probably interact with her it's, more than you do. What, Donna Lee Levesque or mm-hmm. is it Udonna Lee on Facebook? No, like that's that. her email address. Oh, now you're email. giving it away. So go to Donnelly huh. on there and send her an, a message on Facebook. Oh, an she'll love that. message and say, hey, I heard it was your birthday this week. 
And Julian Dan said on the podcast to send you a message. Mm-hmm. We I don't know you, but happy birthday. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm. You know, talk about somebody who is in a honeymoon phase with their spouse. Your sister certainly is there. Mm. She's been married for for a long time. 50 years. Oh my gosh. So she is, they're both retired. And I just think they're so cute and how they go. And she is so in love with her husband after all these years. And I think that this is something definitely that we need to pay attention to, to the people around us that have a relationship that we want to emulate because mm. sometimes we see the bad in relationships. And I am not telling you to compare and despair and think, oh, my God, look how great the relationship is. I wish I had that. No, no. I want you to go and see and and see what works, because if we can find the secrets to what makes other couples continue to grow stronger together, then perhaps these are things that we ourselves can emulate and add into our life so that we can grow together. Right. Because for the. You know, the reality is that we are all in different walks of life, but the most important thing is that we find the people that inspire us and we see what they're doing right and try to work on bringing that right to our lives. And it's Sunday in Connecticut. Yep. A muffler-free car just passed by the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Um, on other news, we are watching a very gripping program. Gripping. What other? What? What else would you call it? I think it's a very good program. It's it's, it's good. riveting. It's, it's riveting to you. Gripping. Um, what is it called? Becoming. Oh, making or creating Anna. Finding Anna. Oh, finding Anna. Wow. Thought that was finding Ola. The other one. Oh my god, the other the Ola. This one show. is inventing Anna. Oh my god, we're gonna have to look it up. All right, all right. Hold Two on. shows. I'm gonna look it up. The first one is Finding Ola, and it's a show. It's an Egyptian. Yeah, it's inventing show. Anna. By the way, that's what I just said. Okay, fine. <laughs> that was, rewind, I guess was hey, I not listening every, to everyone you? Everyone, rewind it and and <laughs> tell me tell us who is correct. Oh my god. <laughs> so Finding Ola is a Egyptian show and it's dubbed in English. It was a really good show. It's it's It it's, is so it's good. Kinda, it's it's called watching Finding Ola, by Finding the way. Finding Ola. And this is isn't an amazing that what I just said? It is it? I don't know. Oh, I wasn't yeah, listening I need to, to rewind you. now. <laughs> so, yeah. So Finding Ola is a great show. It's it's lighthearted and and serious at the same time. And it's a show about actually a couple who divorce and they have children. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's, you know, and here's in the process someone who, of finding yeah. her. She's finding herself. Her, yeah. Because she They're, has yeah. given it all to her marriage, her parents, her mm-hmm. children. And then all of a sudden she finds herself without a relationship. And it's like, who am I? And what mm-hmm. do I do? And what do I want? And it's going through the process of everything. And I think that these are questions that no matter whether um, you are in midlife or 
mid 30s that you should really be able to pay attention inside who are you mm -hmm. and are you defined by the opinion of others just going back to the question of dan defining himself as a poor gift giver because of my <laughs> opinion right he shouldn't define himself as a poor gift giver oh my god you defined me yes i defined and i you. didn't let you define me no you called I... me out on it called you out on it this week because i will not allow you to brand me oh my god how would you brand yourself then how would i brand myself yeah. you know what i was thinking about this about a week ago because i was thinking about doing my own little podcast on the side hmm. and in actually Do you need a business coach i can help you with actually that, that yeah, <laughs> sure if you know somebody good that's not like family um, that's not like family. I'm not your family. I'm your wife. <laughs> Jesus. So I was thinking of a, I, my podcast idea because I, you said this on the podcast last week also. Oh, boy. What did you I say? You called me an introvert. You are an introvert. You were labeling, labeling me left and right last week. Oh my and I am I'm an introverted person. But I do not embrace that label. Yeah. And my, I was, I was I thinking that I'm here speaking. I, if I was a true introvert, would I be here speaking right now to you like this in a conversation with thousands of people listening? No. Hmm. So I was <laughs> thinking uh, a possible name or the gist of my podcast <laughs> would be the extroverted introvert. Or something like that. Extroverted Some, introvert. Something that, that might not be the title, but but um, uh, the it's, introvert it's, that could. How's that? Oh, geez, come on. <laughs> no, it's it's about it's sorry. A, uh, you know, it's about some people have two labels that are diametrically opposed. Hmm. So people aren't that simple. Sometimes yes, but sometimes no. And we shouldn't fully insert ourselves into a box. We should be no. able to jump from box to box because we're not we're not a label. We're we're right. we're, we're more complicated. Personality is not permanent. You mm -hmm. have the power to be able to think of yourself and define your actions in any way you can. Yeah, but there are certain things that you are going to be comfortable in. But that's when you become right. when you're when you're in automation, right? And you mm -hmm. are running just on autopilot. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think, the thing that many of us do. Because and this week I, I was teaching at the local college. And one of the things that I was talking about is growth. And we've heard this quote before, right? It's it's like one of these quotes that we hear all over the place. But growth happens in mm. your, in your, it, not outside of your comfort zone. And there is a level of of growth that needs to happen. And it happens when you stretch yourself, when you're willing to step outside of the norm and do something different, mm. right? Now, if you go totally to your discomfort zone, then you can't grow. It's that fine balance of finding the action that stretches you enough, but maybe keeps your foot. And think, this is maybe what they call it the stretch zone. I think, it's, I think of it as more of a blend. Oh, my God. He's been listening to stuff I say for the love. <laughs> yeah, apparently, he's been listening a lot because he's gotten a lot in here. All right. Mm. Well, here is what I want to do. I want to go to the interview with Dr. Jackie. Well, because, wait a minute. What? We left one thing hanging. Okay. Don't leave things hanging. We talked about fighting Ola, but we didn't talk about inventing Anna. It's actually a 
entirely different story. It's about a con woman, or is she? Yeah, she is. And <laughs> my God, um, that's a judgment. We all know that. It's it's a true a true story. But this is their telling of it, and their tagline is based on a true story, except everything. The parts that we made up, or except for the like parts that. no that are made up. Okay. Because they're insinuating it's that in the she top made. Ten. They're insinuating that she made it up. Sure, it's in so, the top ten anyway. of Netflix, and people can find it. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's, it's by it's, Shonda Rhimes. So Shonda of course Rhimes. we love her. It's just well, one I of those her. that everyone's watching. So if you're not uh, watching it. But let's talk about Dr. Jackie. Dr. Jackie and I met on Clubhouse, and I Mm -hmm. love listening to her. First of all, she's got this very soothing, wise, kind demeanor about her. Mm. And such a like-minded woman, and certainly she's heard. She's heard. She has helped over a 1,000 couples throughout her career, and... You know, we all need people like her to come alongside of us and really help us in the times in which we need to learn to grow and thrive and have fun together as couples, right? Hmm. And unlike Leslie, she doesn't just work with the husband, she works with couples. And again, we're in the month of love, and perhaps there's (laughs) more things that you and I can listen to this interview and discuss as a couple. All right. All right, so without further ado, Daniel Collins, go check out Dr. Jackie Black. All right, enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of the Casa de Confidence show. I am so excited that you are here joining us today. I have a very special treat. I have Dr. Jackie Black. And Dr. Jackie and I met on Clubhouse, and I have grown to really admire her wisdom and really enjoy listening to her. But I'm going to definitely let her introduce herself because she has some amazing backgrounds and stories, and she's just a phenomenal individual. So welcome to the show. Dr. Jackie, tell us a little bit about you. Thank you, Julie. It is so great to be here with you today. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I have been in the uh, coaching world and in the therapy world for over 33 years. So I've worked with over 750 couples in eight countries during those 33 years. I transitioned out of doing therapy and into doing coaching in 1999. Wow. Yeah, through a confluence of events, I met a coach on an airplane, LAX to Dulles, who changed my life in five hours. Wow, that's amazing. I have met some amazing people on airplanes, so I totally, I am on board for this, no pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he coached Bob. I didn't get his card. The coaching world in 1999 was in its infancy. Mm-hmm. I have never seen him around uh, or heard his um, heard his voice or heard about him since that day on the plane. It was one of those divine interventions. Mm. Uh, and and the co- as, as I said, the coaching world was in its infancy. So when I got back to L.A., uh, there was no Google either. Remember life with no yep. Google? Oh, I remember. <laughs> And uh, so I did investigating the old-fashioned way, and I found the International Coach Federation, the Mm -hmm. ICF, Mm -hmm. and joined the ICF and got involved in the coaching community and very quickly realized that I really wanted to do coaching Mm. and phase out of doing therapy. Not that I didn't love doing therapy. Coaching is very immediate. Yeah. And 
coaching uh, is able to be very transformational quickly. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I, I have been uh, the recipient of coaching and I have been the recipient of therapy and, and I, I am on board with that as well. Yeah. Now therapy has its place. Mm-hmm. I was well served by being in therapy with very skilled and talented therapists. So they don't serve the same populations. Yeah. If you are going to be well served by therapy, you're really not going to be appropriate for coaching. Mm-hmm. And Many people that are well served by coaching have had therapy in the past, some kind of therapy counseling in the mm-hmm. past, not a requirement. Uh, what is a requirement with um, coaching is that you already take responsibility and you recognize whatever you've got going on in your life you created, that you hold for the possibilities for change. Mm. If you don't like something that's going on, you can change it. You yep. created it. And so you can make it be something else. Mm. I, uh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, and the the other piece is that it's not work, but it takes time, intention, and investment. Mm-hmm. So if you take the investment, time, energy, focus, opening up to yourself, um, hearing different points of view, then you are really appropriate for coaching. I find that you may not know this, and I don't say this often, uh, the statistics for couples therapy for successful couples therapy is pretty low. Mm. The reason for that is that the therapy model is not, there are, there is, there are a number of modalities that are not based on this, but most therapy models are based on there's something wrong with you and you'll fix it and then you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And in many cases, that's actually true. The coaching model for couples work, which is why I love it so much. The coaching model for couples work is where are you? What's working? And we'll build on it. What's not working? Mm-hmm. And and where do you want to be? Yeah. How do you want this to really be, to feel? How do you want to experience yourself and your partner when you're together? Mm-hmm. And I'm very tactical, which is another reason that coaching is such a good fit for me. Very tactical. And so I really focus on skills and tools and strategies for couples. Love is not enough. I leave that to you. You come already in love, loving, and committed. Mm-hmm. And then we add to that skills and tools and strategies that are generally very couple specific. Sometimes they're life skills, life strategies, but often they are couple specific. So you won't necessarily be using them all over your life. Yeah. That, that, that helps for two reasons. One is it really gives people a trust and a safety in the context of their relationship. So Beautiful. that you don't have to be open hearted and vulnerable all over your life. You choose where to be open-hearted and vulnerable, and then you have the strategies and the tools and you build the skills to accomplish that, to achieve that with the person or the people that you choose. 
You know, I, I, I love the skills, tools, and strategies. I think that you are absolutely correct. In my coaching, I also look at what you are doing well, what are the things that you're not, and, and really build from that. And I know that um, sometimes in, in therapy, and like you said, there is a place for therapy, and I highly recommend it to someone who needs it. Um, it has been so instrumental in my life, but I also have been able to accomplish more traction for the things that I want to accomplish when I go through coaching. I definitely received a lot of healing from a therapy and, and it, I wouldn't change it for the world, but the coaching for me has definitely been impactful in many areas of my life. And I love that you are giving these tools to couples because marriage can be one of these, um, the most important relationship and also the most taxing relationship at times. And it's sort of like a dance. Uh, sometimes you have to follow. Sometimes you have to be willing to lead. Sometimes you have to be willing to dance. And I think that that's where, uh, you know, sometimes we get into trouble. Now, what is one of the things that you feel um, couples really um, are are not aware that they need to work through um, or, or that they should be doing in their marriage to strengthen it? The first two things that are critical is solid self-knowledge and really solid, excellent partner knowledge. Mm. Not that we think that we know about our partners, but that we have actually taken the time and we've sat down together with each other and asked each other questions. I have an interview process that I created for couples, just mm -hmm. like a journalist. You come with a pad of paper and a pencil and you <clears throat> ask a lot of questions so that you get the answers from the horse's mouth, as my grandmother mm. used to say. So good. You know, I, I know that anymore. Yeah. And, and I think that a lot of people don't, we, we believe that we know, but sometimes, and I know I make assumptions a lot of times that I know what my husband wants or what he's thinking. And sometimes those assumptions <laughs> steer me the wrong way. <laughs> so I like this interview process. I do like that a lot. It, and it's so much fun. I try to keep things very engaging and active. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, with couples too, so that it's not work, that it really is exciting for them. Uh, the other thing about the interview process is that we not only do we make assumptions, we have expectations mm -hmm. that are alive and well in our heads. Right. And most expectations are outside our, our conscious awareness. <clears throat> yeah. It can be true of assumptions as well. So the interview process and recognizing that self-knowledge and partner knowledge, see, I have to have good information about myself mm. for a couple of reasons. One, so that I can ask for what I need and want. Yeah. Two, that I can step in, I can show up fully so that there's something that, that you see and experience. And then that I can tell you about me so that you have good partner knowledge. None of that gets accomplished if I don't have good self-knowledge and a lot of ownership of who I am, who I'm not, what I like, what I enjoy, what I prefer, what I don't like, what doesn't work for me, what hurts my feelings, mm. right? what is an offense or an affront, because in the day-to-day, -day, there are tiny offenses and affronts that we experience with each other all the time. Mm -hmm. And if we're not clear, we don't know, and we, we're not willing to say to ourselves and to our partners, ouch, mm. did you mean to say that to me? Or did you mean to say that in that tone of voice? See, we need to check those things out. Yeah. But we have to honor ourselves. 
Yeah. And who we are before we can do that. This is so good. And I, you said something that really resonated with me. I mean, well, everything that you're saying is resonating, but the one thing that stuck out, and this is something I talk about with, excuse me, my, my clients and I tell people all the time. And the reason that I, I'm so well versed at this, I guess, is because I am my best client too, right? And this is something that I really struggled with. I, um, tend to make these manuals for people in how they should show up and the things that they should say or do. And I got to remind myself that, you know, my husband's not a refrigerator. I can expect them to just follow the script. And, and, and I have to then evaluate why is it that I'm creating this script and what is it that I need? And then sort of, um, say to him, Hey, I am thinking that I need this from you or, or really using that understanding of what I need and want and, and what I'm hearing and, and open that line of communication. Do you, um, find that a lot of times couples struggle with really being able to name what they want or just not understanding that they have a script? Um, because I think that when you have a script for somebody and they don't follow it, then you're disappointed and you didn't realize you're disappointed because they're not doing the thing you want them to, right? Exactly. Um, And I love that you're calling it a script because we have stories, stories, Mm -hmm. scripts inside that are operating all the time. And the more we know what our story is, the more we're onto ourselves, the more we can really be authentic. It's an overused word, but an important concept that I can really let you see me. I can I can let you I invite you yep. to see me to see who I am to see my vulnerabilities my flaws um, my tender spots mm. need to create that in order to have vulnerabilities surrender and great sex yeah I I I have something in my book and I call it <clears throat> I didn't come up with this cuz I'm not that that smart. I heard believe it or not my youth minister um in high school uh talked about this, but he used to talk about how we need to be able to create intimacy and that intimacy is allowing other people to see you and to see inside you and open up the doors to your heart. And I think that in building confidence in in becoming the version of ourselves that we need to and want to become, we need to also be willing to be that vulnerable and, and intimate with others and allow them to see into those needs and, and, and even desires that we are afraid of, you know, oh, they're not going to love us or they're not going to like us or they're going to think any less for, you know, thinking that or having that in, in, in our brain or, or ourselves. Or judge us mm-hmm. or withhold or withdraw love. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's how, right. That's what we're really worried about deep down. Mm-hmm. One of the first things I say to couples on, an, on our intake before we ever decide that we want to work together is, what do you want? Mm-hmm. If you could change one thing in this relationship today, what would you change? What do you want? Mm-hmm. And Julie, you would be stunned to know how many couples, how many partners don't have any idea. People can write volumes of what they don't like, Mm -hmm. what doesn't work, but they 
are so limited when it comes to what they want, what they hope for, what they dream about. Yeah. We're not letting ourselves do that. We really are playing small. Mm-hmm. And I think people are playing small in all parts of their lives, not just in their relationship life. You know, Dan and I, um, because we, we both had practice spouses, <clears throat> when we started dating, um, we, we didn't live in the same city, so we were doing a long distance. And when we started to get serious, we really started to have a conversation about, um, you know, he, he shared again, opening up into me. See, um, he said, you know, I'm afraid that you are going to move to Connecticut and you're going to be bored because you live in New York City, you love to travel. And I, I want to be with you, but I also don't want to stifle you. And I said, I want to be with you, but I, you, I, I, I want you to understand that I do want to have that kind of life where I travel, but I don't want to travel alone. I don't want to do that on my own. And I want you to be the partner that, you know, may not be thrilled with the adventure that I'm planning for us, but you're going to say, okay, let's, I'll be willing to try it. And I have to say that telling him what I needed and what I wanted for us, for our life and what I envisioned, and then him, and and even if he had said, no, I'm not willing to do that. I think that I, I at least I needed to be able to say that that's something that was important to me. And, you know, there's times in which, of course, I want to go climb Kilimanjaro and he has no interest in that, right? But there's other times in which I say, hey, let's fill in the blank. And he's like, Okay, let's do it. And, or, or he will remind me when I, when I fall into ruts, he's like, Hey, you know, remember what's important to you, what you love to do? Why don't we? And it, because, and, and the same thing, like I know my husband treasures a quiet life. He treasures, um, that, you know, stay home body. And at times I, I honor that. And, and, and it does bring us together because we are honoring what the other person likes. Now, we are not perfect by any means. And, you know, know like, like such a sweet relationship, really. Well, thank you. But, but again, there, you know, there are times of conflict and how much conflict is normal in a relationship? I would love to hear this from you. Yep. I love this question. So for me, Zero. Okay. I I would agree with my partner. In fact, my late Mark, my late husband Mark, and I had an agreement. Mm-hmm. He didn't believe that it was possible, but he said, I, "I will agree. I think it's a good idea." I don't. So uh, zero zero conflict. Okay. Here's why, and then and then I'll tell you how you get there. All right. The why is that if we're arguing. We're adversaries. Mm. I don't want to be open-hearted and and have being vulnerable on the top of my to-be list with you mm-hmm. and think that or, or know that from time to time we're going to be adversarial. Mm. I would rather frame it and everything in life is perception, right? Right, of course. Well, I would rather frame it that we will expect to not hold the same view for mm-hmm. us to not have the same needs for us, us to not have the same priorities. 
Mm. And that when we don't hold the same view and the same needs and the same priorities, that there is going to be an opportunity for us to sit down together. Here's the key mm-hmm. and create win, win, win. Oh my gosh. You're I, the second person that tells me that. <laughs> I win. You win. We win. I and love this. I, I'm going to have to connect you with Leslie, my friend, Leslie, because she uh, has the hero husband project and she talks about the win, win, win. I don't want to be adversarial. I don't want that to ever be a possibility in the mm. background. Yeah. Because it's going to keep me from being open hearted and vulnerable. Those are not, that's not easy to do, to accomplish. So if what we agree is we're going to have win, 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 whatever comes up, I know that you want to know what's going on for me and that you want to hear that you care. It matters what I need and what matters. And that you know that very same thing about me. If that's the place we start Mm-hmm. That we're going to win, wind up in a place where nobody's winning, nobody's losing, nobody's settling, giving in, giving up, because mm-hmm. those are not dynamics between two people building a strong, lasting relationship. It can't happen, in my view, unless we create that foundational piece. Uh, I am listening and I'm taking notes because I think that as we navigate and and my husband and I are going to be married 10 years and there's definitely been some incredible um, adventures and there's been some tough times that we've been through. I lost my brother. He lost his brother. So there's some losses and in, in some of the pain, what we have found is that we have been brought together. Now there's also instances that we've had some broken down a communication and we're again, not perfect. And we have, um, fought. How do we as couples, um, because I think it's inevitable when so you have someone as hard headed as I am, <laughs> he is more agreeable, but I think that, you know, I, I, I can lose my temper and I, I wake up in the morning and I tell myself after I, one of the first things that I say is it's going to be a great day. And then I tell myself, as I'm doing my gratitude, one of the things that I strive to is I am a kind, loving wife who is patient because that's who I want to be. That's the person I want to be. But I know that I don't always show up as that person. So there's times in which we have fought or or disagreed on something and become heated. How do you come back from that? Well, you try to not go there. Things can be heated, (laughs) but you try to not be unkind. Uh, and yeah. I say try. So uh, another frame to work in, this is the, the tactical piece. So another frame to work in is that I, I text you or I leave you a note or leave you a message on your phone or something that says, I'm coming in hot. Mm. So, oh, okay. Now I know there's a problem. I know that you're mad or you're mm-hmm. hurt. You're upset. Something's not working. You've given me advanced warning, right? I know. Right. So then I can say to you, I can sit down with you because I want to hear all about what's going on. It matters to me. So I can sit down with you after three or after we put the kids to bed or, mm-hmm. right? Or give you a couple of times. You give me a couple of times. And then we agree when we are going to sit down together. And by God, you better be where you said you were going to be at the time you said you were going to be there. Not on the phone, not late, not just sending one more email. Right. 
right? And be there. And be there. And the the other tactical piece is I'm there holding the space for you. Holding space for you <clears throat> means I'm listening. I'm not thinking about what I did or what I'm going to respond or what I need. Mm. I'm not worried about what you're going to say I did or said or right. I'm mm-hmm. not going to worry mm-hmm. about me. I'm holding the space for you to tell me about you. What happened? Mm. Right? I want to hear about your feelings. I want to hear about the problems. I want to hear. I want to hear everything that you want to say to me. So I'm holding the space that already de-escalates you yeah. from being mad because you can, you don't have to be a stepford wife, modulate a ton of voice. You told me you're coming in hot. I know that your face is going to, you know, look angry. You might be <laughs> locking fists. Your voice might be louder. You might be speaking faster. Right. The thing that you, that you are not going to be doing, you are not going to be blaming me. You are not going to be sitting there saying, you, 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 you. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. Right. Because if you, if I hear that, I'm going to have to say, sweetie, I'm not I'm having so much trouble hearing you mm-hmm. talk about me. Can we just take a break for a minute? Because I really want to hear you. These are and some I'm great not- tips. And then that's going to cue me. So you're not telling me about me, but it's going to cue me that I need other tactical piece. Mm-hmm. I need to talk to you and I message feedback. Yeah. I, you care about me. You're holding the space for me. I now need to dig down deep and mm-hmm. tell you about me from I message from the I message right. feedback place. I think I feel I need, I want, right. I didn't like. Yeah. And I think that sometimes, you know, this is so challenging to do when we are in the, in the middle of these messy emotions that because again, we have these beliefs and we want to, we want to say, you know, what you did hurt my feelings, but it's not what they did is I feel hurt because, right. And there are so many different things. That, when that, I heard you yeah. say, right. that it crushed me. I felt yeah. crushed. Yeah. When when I expected you, not when you didn't come home, when I expected mm-hmm. you to walk the door at five and you didn't, I felt like well, I was invisible. Mm-hmm. We can have those conversations right. powerfully. We can own our feelings mm-hmm. out loud powerfully. Yeah. And we have to stay in personal integrity. Yeah. So that our partners can hear so what good. happened for us. So good. And I think that this is, you know, one of the, one of the dances to that in, in our marriage, we're learning that for us, um, I, 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 of course, and, and I'd love to get your opinion on this. And I, and there's something else I want to ask, but I do want to get your opinion on this. So early in the, on in the marriage, I read the five love languages, right? And I'm like, Oh, well, this totally makes sense. And I see that a lot that for me, I feel very validated and loved because for me is acts of service. <laughs> and for Dan is more words of affirmations or touch. And, and I, I could be a touchy feeling person, but I'm also very like, 
okay, I don't have time for that. We, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm high D in the disc profile. So I, I tend to not um, do that, but I have to remember that, Hey, when I wake up in the morning, uh, he may be um, feeling the need to have a hug where I'm like, Oh my God, I got to get my day going. Right. But I need to really be able to do that. Do you feel that that's something valid that we need to take into account how our, our partner um, relates Absolutely, a thousand percent. Um, I think that Gary Chapman created that model by observing a lot of couples and that it has value. For me, I prefer to think about it as um, values, style, and temperament. Ooh, so good. Values, style, and temperament. Temperament. Tell me more on that. Tell me more. Well, because because the ta- because going tactical really speaks to specifically behaviors, what you say, what you do, what you don't say, what you don't do. Mm-hmm. So if we hold that, mm-hmm. then value, style, and temperament. So I may hold a value uh, for, I do hold a value for being on time, for example. Mm-hmm. And you know 15 or 20 minutes before you're going to be late that you're going to be late. I want you to tell me I don't want you to walk in late and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late because I'm already going to be mm-hmm. in a bad. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but it's, it's not, but, and uh, there are ways that we can co-create. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you can never be late. It's not that. Right. It's that what do I need to know and when do I need to know it? And, and there's a range mm-hmm. and can you, are you willing, cause you're able, are you willing to accommodate that? Right. Right. Value, style, and temperament. I'm a person I've been told, and it's true. When I wake up in the morning, my eyes and my mouth open at the same time. Okay. So I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm welcoming the world. I'm excited to be here. Mm-hmm. I'm fully engaged. I don't have sort of a sleepy time or a time to, I'm like on it. I've always been like, I love that. (laughs) My grandmother used to walk into my bedroom when I was little and she would throw open the blinds and she'd be singing, you know, and come over and give me kisses. And, and I think it, it it partly matched for me Mm -hmm. and environmentally was what I was accustomed to. And so I just sort of moved right into that. Well, I'm still like that. That's awesome. Uh, A couple of years ago and she could not tolerate him taking the cover off the bird cage until mm. she'd had two cups of coffee. She didn't want to hear the bird, you know, because birds yeah. go from she she didn't she didn't want to do that. So that's temperament. Temperament <laughs> is real. It's legitimate. Yeah. It's not uh you, you can't choose it. I believe that you can choose a lot of things in your life, mm-hmm. but you have to own your temperament. You have to know who you are. Um, mm-hmm. I love Las Vegas for two days. Oh, me too. Two days right? only. And, um, and then it's too much. The light is too much. The sound. Sensory overload. Yeah. yeah. Now, there are people, I'm not an extrovert. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way at a party. I could easily come be the last person in and the first person out. Right. And feel like I've seen friends and I've had rich engagement. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be the first person and then the last person out. There are people who are energized by that. Oh, I'm 
that's me. I, I walk into a room full of people and I'm like, I'm on. We went to an event, um, the, the, in, in, in December sometime. And it was a retirement party for, uh, Paula, who is the head of the United Way here, friendly with Paula. And this is the first time that I've seen a lot of the people and it was at the museum. It was going to be very uh, well curated so that it was safe and just enough room for people to distance. But I was so happy to be there. I walked in and, um, of course we walked in right at 6 p.m., which is Dan's value. Like, I would have been okay being there like 6.10 or so, but, you know, fine. We were there and I, we went through the event. We're having such a good time. It's a little cocktail party, the little program, and then people chit-chatting. Come 8 o'clock, Dan is like, I'm out. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) And we, the program was ending and he's like, okay, we're going home. And I was like, wait. What do you mean we're going home? No, it, we're, we're out. We're dressed. And he and, and uh, so my other girlfriend, who's very similar to I, she's like, you want to go get a drink? I'm like, yep, let's do it. Dan, he's like, no, I'm out. I'm like, okay. And it was okay because I know that he was done and that was perfectly fine. And he also knew that for me, I was just so energized. I needed to be out a little more before I could come home. <laughs> and knowing that, that value, style, and temperament is so important. I love that. We can support each other to be our best self. Yeah, for Take sure. Be out. That would be mm-hmm. my best self. Yeah. And I would be fine coming in at 630. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, but not but and. And we, we, we want to support each other to be our best self. The worst thing in the world, the saddest thing to mm-hmm. me, People dumb it down. They play mm-hmm. small to fit in with each other. Oh, or I was there. Not, right. To not make waves or to mm-hmm. not. There isn't, there's none of that. You're not a good fit. If that is what's going on, really think about who you're with mm-hmm. and how you want to be. And it might not be a good fit. Yep. It doesn't mean you get divorced, mm-hmm. but it means that there are a lot of different kinds of conversations that help partners really understand and value, respect the differences, Mm -hmm. and then find ways that work for both partners to accommodate the differences. Mm -hmm. So differences aren't bad. We we must find ways to accommodate them, to not tolerate, Mm -hmm. accommodate. Accommodate. Such a good word. Such a good word. I I know that, you know, without going into a long story, one of the things that in in my first marriage, um, I think I was tolerated. And I also believe that I really changed myself. And this is something that took me a long time to figure out, but I was changing who I intrinsically was to try to become the person that I thought my ex-spouse needed. And he's, he's a nice guy. He's a great guy, not the guy for me. And what I, what he needed was certainly not me and wanted was certainly not me. And I, I remember toward, uh, toward the end of the marriage, we had gone away with a group of friends and he wasn't there yet. He, he came late, but I was there a couple of days before and there was someone I met who was a friend of a friend and, um, when my 
my husband at the time came, my ex-husband came, um, to the, to the event, to the weekend that we were away at, um, this person made the observation, you know, I just went through a divorce and I want to say something and I hope you're not offended. And I thought, okay, he's like, you know, you have changed tremendously from as soon as your spouse walked in the door and you've become a different person. He's like, if you have to change who you are, and if you have to change and, and not be you because of that person, then you should consider that, you know, this is not a great place to be. And I thought, how dare you? <laughs> but like, it really, yeah. but, and I thought, who are you to say this? Yeah. And and I was so offended and I, but I really, I, I took a walk on the beach that day and it was cold. It was little cloudy, but, and it really matched my mood, but it really got my wheels turning. If it hadn't been for that statement, I would not started to pay attention and bring awareness because I think that I was going through this, um, just, you know, automation of in this misery of a life that I didn't realize how unhappy I was and how I had changed to be someone I didn't love and care for because I was trying to be something I wasn't. So anyway, that, that's, you know, my, my little I story. I say one thing about that which is that English speaking countries tend to promote uh, uh, a how you should do this, uh-huh. be that. How you know the the good wife, the good mother, yeah. um, the, whatever the the good employee, and they don't. They English speaking countries, Western Europe, Canada, the UK, New Zealand, Australia. Although they're about ten years behind us, um, they're not promoting tuning in and figuring out who mm-hmm. we are. Yeah. What we need, it's like, what do you mean you need that? What we need, what we want, what we're passionate about. Yeah, for sure. When kids come home from school, we, some of us say to our kids, so how did you experience today? What was that like for you being in school today? Mm. Did you do your best on the test? Did you do your best on the homework? Were you interested in listening well to the teacher? Mm. And so that we actually give them control mm-hmm. and awareness of how they're showing up, how yep. they're listening, how they're interacting. Do right. they like it? Are they engaged? Are they stimulated? Are they not? Mm-hmm. I remember my daughter was the, her first year of college. She called me and she said, Mom, I figured out something. She said, I don't do well in lecture halls. She mm-hmm. was in a lecture hall. There were 600 people in a class that she was needing to take. And she said, I'm not going to do well in this class. And I don't know what to do. She said, oh, so I said, well, what, what are you noticing? She said, I noticed that I am doing much better in classes where the teacher knows me, says mm-hmm. hello to me when I come in, knows my name, um, appreciates the feedback that I offer. When I can make a connection with the teacher, I do much better. Mm-hmm. That's great. She would not have been able to know that about herself mm-hmm. had she not give, been given a wide berth, yeah. check in with herself as she was developing. 
Yeah, you know, checking in with uh, my niece and nephew and and there I have lots of nieces and nephews, but the youngest two, um he is a sixth grader and she is in third grade now. She's eight and and eight um Amelia who I talk to the most. Um I tend to always ask her these questions. Um <clears throat> because I don't want to know how was school? That's not the right question is, um, Hey, who, who, who did you feel special talking to today? Yeah. What was, um, one of the best things that made you excited about your day today? Was there something that, um, you found that was a little challenge and how did you handle that? And just asking the, and, and of course she rolls her eyes now. She was a little more engaged when she was five and six and she would be more willing to answer. Now she's just too cool for school and for Aunt Julie. And she kind of rolls her eyes like, oh, um, and then, uh, you know, she just repeats the things that she knows that I want to hear sometimes. But I do want her to start thinking of these things because I want exactly. her to have that self-awareness. And I think that that's very important. And, and I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't, if I can just, yeah. uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but we can't expect adults to do that mm-hmm. in intimate relationships right. if they don't have a context in their life. Oh, true. Absolutely. I, and, and I think that that's the one thing that we need to really be able to this is why coaching, I think, is so important, right? Because these are the tools that we begin to really uh, bring into our in, into our well being by uh, becoming aware and becoming curious and and changing a little bit of our mindset. And I think that this is so important. I did want to ask you, I, and because when you and I had a conversation earlier. You talked, I asked you a little bit about your life journey and you talked about something that you worked on in your dissertation that then you kind of, it helped you through your marriage. Are you open to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, we were talking about, you know, how did you get started doing this work? And I said, there's something much more interesting about me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. So I went back to school to earn my PhD um, after I was already in corporate. I was in corporate America managing high-rise office buildings for pension funds. Mm-hmm. And I went back to school to earn my PhD and I and then to move into therapy and then into coaching years after that. And I understood because I was an older student and back to school and I, I understood that that illness and death and dying was a family affair. Mm. We just sort of do that intuitively, that it wasn't all about the person that was sick, but that the, the people in that person's life are affected mm. by being sick and, and dying and then having died. So I did my dissertation on psychosocial, family-centered psychosocial support in palliative care settings Mm. family-centered meaning it's not just about the patient it's about the person who's dying and the people around them family-centered psychosocial support psychological Mm -hmm. social in palliative care settings when there's no more cure available and people are at end-stage cancer for example and Mm -hmm. going to die fast forward a number of years um, my, uh, I was once divorced, mm-hmm. my first marriage, and then I've been twice widowed. So my second husband, Gary, um, had cancer and he went through that in a, in a very 
different way than one might imagine, you know, the death to us part. Mm-hmm. He, he had a, a, a very um, special and sad reaction to being sick and having cancer. And, and, and so that, that was much more about loss. Hmm. Mark, my third husband, Mark was all over it, right? He really wanted to figure out about we. He depended on me. He leaned on me. We did everything. And I was very involved, very included. And turned out that I was walking through my dissertation years wow. later. That's amazing. But I really had this insider information. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that because I've been working, I've been working with couples living with life threatening and chronic illness and um, grieving partners for many, many, many years, mm-hmm. many, many years. And I did very fine work. I was well-trained and I've had wonderful mentors and, and really amazing clients and this insider information, this way that being that person, mm-hmm companioning the person who was ill and the person who was dying was so amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a rich, it was a, a, such a stupid word, but it was, it it was just so, um, it was so special to be that person for him. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I've been there with my dad passing. I think that it's a privilege to be able to be the person um, that is surrounding someone who is transitioning. Um, and I wouldn't change it for the world. It was probably one of the most difficult things that I've done. So I can identify that, you know, you, wow, what, what an amazing thing to have that training and then all of a sudden know that you can firsthand live it. And now you can help others and support others in that process too, because you yeah. have firsthand experience and it's not just this, um, abstract knowledge from, from writing a dissertation and doing research. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's amazing, Doctor Jackie. I could probably talk to you all day. I know that a lot of people, um, uh, you know, would would have tons of questions after listening to the show, and and you have walked us through so many different things. What would you say for those women who are married um, and have been married for a long time, and maybe are feeling disconnected from the relationship with their spouse, and because you know life happens, kids, work, job, pandemic. Uh, clubhouse, social media, you name it, right? Um, what what would oh, yeah. your your words of wisdom be to someone who is sitting next to somebody watching television, but yet they feel like they're not sure who that person is and how to connect with them? I would do two things immediately. I would stop saying no mm. to, to anything, even if you really want to say no. To To start saying, okay, let's figure out how. Mm. Right. Let's how. Yes, yes, yes. Let's do that. How? How can we get that done? Gotcha. Even if you don't want to, even if you don't think it's possible. So provide that space for your partner to have a, a soft landing. Mm-hmm. Number one. And number two, to start doing or saying one thing a day, just one. Maybe there's a soft touch to the shoulder, mm-hmm. to the arm or the top of the shoulder. Maybe that you, as you pass by a room, you say, I'm so glad that I'm here with you today. Mm. I walk through the room. 
little things. We want to send the unmistakable message that we see you, we care, you're important. It matters to me that you're here. One behavior, one thing to say every just a little bit. And you might not think uh, that it's doing anything. But remember snowflakes. Mm-hmm. Snowflakes fall and they almost immediately melt, so right? So good. So good. Well, how do you get snow drifts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a tiny habits coach, I will say that is the perfect advice because sometimes we think I'm going to have to, you know, fill in the blank and we're, we're, we're thinking we have to do big gestures, big things, um, big, compromising. And I don't even like that word in marriage, but um, it's it's going back to that win-win-win, I think. And I think that, yes, pick the one small, tiny thing that you can do because it will be like a snowflake that will create big momentum for your, for your relationship. And I love everything that you've said. Thank you so much for coming to Casa de Confidence. Will you come back? I will. I just loved our conversation. Thank you so much. And I do look forward to being here again. Oh, thank you. And by the way, I love your necklace. It's beautiful. That little heart necklace is gorgeous. Thank you. This is given to me by Mark. Mm. Um, We each other, we knew each other. We met on um, Halloween, our least favorite, both of us, our least favorite. We met at (laughs) at a Halloween party and neither of us dressed up. There you go. Right. There's only one, right? One other person at the party that, that wasn't in costume. And then this was his Hanukkah gift to me just oh, gorgeous. A, month, a month and a half later. So thank you. Oh, thank it's you. so beautiful. Well, what a beautiful reminder and that he continues to be in your heart uh, so much. Well, thank you for coming. And how do people connect with you, Dr. Jackie? Uh, they can, if you want to have a conversation, they can go to talk to drjackie.com Ooh, so and good. right into my scheduler and have a conversation uh, or they can go to my website. Some people want to check me out, go to the mm-hmm. website, see what's what. And there's a link there that says, let's talk. That'll take them <clears throat> also uh, right into the scheduler. Well, terrific. Well, thank you so much for coming. I'm going to take a quick picture for our social so that I'll post and I can't, Oh, so good. Hold on. One, two, three. And I will tag you on that. Thank you again for coming to Casa de Confidence. Everyone, you know, I am so thrilled that Dr. Jackie was able to come. I have such immense um respect for her just because I hear her a lot in Clubhouse. We've been able to get to know each other. And every time she speaks, I, I take notes. So value, style, temperament is so important. You know, make sure that you, you let people see you um, and do tiny things, tiny gestures toward your spouse so that you can have that closeness and begin to really create the relationship that you want for yourself. So thank you again, Dr. Jackie. And uh, don't forget, everybody, go confidently in the direction of your dream. Thanks for joining us this week on the Casa de Confidence podcast with Julie DeLuca Collins. Remember to check her out on Instagram and Facebook and always click subscribe to catch every new episode. Remember, leave a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. And as always...
everybody. I know that sometimes we get very lonely in this entrepreneur journey, and I want to invite you to join us into our limited time only purposeful you mastermind. For many of us entrepreneurs, we believe that we can do it all. But the reality is that doing it alone only creates a lot of overwhelm. So join us at the Purposeful You Mastermind. You can find out more information by going to bit.ly forward slash Julie's Mastermind. This is going to be the place where you are able to then unlock your full potential and achieve long-term success for your business push you behind your current limits, expand your connections, discover new ideas, and implement them with confidence. You're going to get the support in all aspects and transforming you to the six-figure business you've been looking for. Pause and get off the hamster wheel if you've been spinning around. This is a time where you can get that support from like-minded entrepreneurs that are here to join you in your journey. Together, we can challenge the assumptions and land the speaking engagements and opportunities we want to grow our business and make an impact in the lives of people. See you then. Remember, you can find the mastermind at bit.ly, Julie's Mastermind.